Now you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday, the 16th of June. Porik Horkin, good morning. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning. On this bright, cheery day. Well, huh? it hasn't been terribly bright or cheery over the last five days. No, However, that forecast rain. is a little improving. Things are looking brighter, I think. Isn't that it? Isn't yeah. that the message? Yeah. This evening and tomorrow, I think, is to be a little bit better. Right. And then is it back, is it back to normal on <laughs> Monday then? I don't know. Hopefully not. I don't think the week is to be too bad. Right. Too bad for... Because it's uh, been pretty horrid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, it is. Oh, it is. And I think we're just caught in this kind of a, a polar air at the moment. It's very cool out there. The temperatures are quite, they're below normal, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully it'll improve. It will, of course, improve. Although you've arrived in with some roses this I morning. Have. Yeah. Well, I, some I, beautiful roses. Well, I did a, a, a programme on TV3 this week, the gardening programme on Thursday morning, and I featured some of the, the Irish grown roses. And I was in a great nursery during the week. Um, one of Ireland's leading rose growers and uh, she literally had a sea of roses. Wow. So I, 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 I you know, it was like a child in a, in a sweet shop <laughs> picking the different varieties. So I picked varieties in particular and featured varieties on the programme yeah. that are highly scented. Very good disease resistant varieties, um, uh, good traditional varieties. They're all varieties that are grown for their scent and um, they smell that one. That's yep. a variety called Rachel. Which okay. I thought was beautiful. It's a lovely shell it's pink. It's fabulous colour. I mean, even whether there's smell or no smell of it, and I have to say, it's the most divine. Isn't it? Oh, even with all the rain, it, the scent is absolutely fantastic. It's just it. so scented. It's gorgeous. And as that flower on Rachel matures, it actually gets to about four or five inches in diameter. So it's quite a big, blousy head it, uh, of flower. And the rain doesn't seem to affect it. It doesn't stain the flowers. And they stay on the plant actually for quite a long time. So it's a really nice variety. Rachel, look out for that one. Highly scented, lovely colour in the flower uh, and it flowers from now right through till October, November if you just deadhead the flowers as they're going over. Uh, if people want to actually see them if they go on to the uh, TV player, the real player on Ireland AM they'll be able to replay the programme okay. and, and see the different varieties. I featured quite a few. There's a nice blue variety as well. It's, yeah, that's it's more unusual actually yeah, in, in terms of colour. It's one called Blue For You and it's... Um, oh, it's gorgeous as well. Yeah, it's a really, really nice mm. scent. Unusual colour. It's, it's kind of, I suppose, a bluey, lilac colour. And again, mm. something different. A total contrast to, to the Rachel variety, that are the first variety. So it's quite a nice one. Nice, small, tight little flower on it. Lots of flower buds on it. It's more a flower bunda variety. But again, highly scented. Really good plant. And I only picked the flowers off those plants today after the rain and still the scent is very intense. So you can imagine on a warm, sunny day how intense the actual fragrance will be. Oh, so does rain actually dull the it, intensity it, it of the scent? It tends to. It tends to, mm. yeah. It tends to. The, the not, warmer the weather... There's nothing wrong with that descent, I have to say. There are two really nice mm. varieties. And then this particular one is one called Arthur Bell. Now, the flowers haven't fully opened yet, so you can see they're tight in bud. Mm. You get this two-tone colour from them. Again, Arthur Bell is a really old variety, but a very highly scented yellow variety. But when it's in bud, it's this reddish yellowish colour, opens to a slight orange and then to a bright yellow. And again, the flowers are very large on Arthur Bell. So it's a great rose for cutting, for bringing into the house, for scent. Um, very easy variety to grow. And again, Deirdre, this is the time of year. A, you can pick the, the, the rose flower that you like. Mm. So if you like pinks or reds, you can go into the garden centres and actually look for the colour that you like. But you can also smell the roses and yeah. pick the varieties that actually suit and, and you particularly like. So it's a great time to select roses for the garden. It's also a great time of year to plant roses in the garden, be they climbing, rambling, um, 
floribunda or hybrid tea roses for scent or indeed the miniature varieties for tubs and containers or the carpet roses, flower carpet that will flower now as we come into the end of June. So a good time to plant yeah. roses in the garden and they're kind of coming back into vogue, a bit like the uh, cottage garden plants you know, the lupins and delphiniums and peony roses that we talked about mm. a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're all coming back now. Roses are, are have been voted this year again as, as the most favourite plant in the garden. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what is it about the rose, the romance or the significance of the rose that attracts us so much? Because when you do look at it just here, uh, and, and, you know, these are just cuttings that we've taken this morning, um, it does just capture the imagination that there is something terribly special about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, when you think in the garden, you've got scent, you've got colour, you've got roses for different purposes, be it the ground cover, miniature, uh, floribundus, hybates for cutting, climbing roses or rambling roses. So there's a rose, I suppose, for, for every low location and, and every use in the garden but their flowering period I mean from colour from June right through until November and people will often tell you in a mild winter that the roses continue, continue. to flower up to Christmas and actually uh, we have uh, at my mum's house um, there was wild roses that had sort of grown through uh, an Escalonia hedge that didn't survive two years ago the remnants of which still exists and but last I remember last Christmas uh, it was st- there was still some buds oh, in yeah. that rose yeah you and know? if you get mild yeah. weather they, they will continue to flower the, really the, the trick at this time time of year. The planting is, it's a good time to plant roses in the garden, but also it's important that you protect them against disease and, and, and aphids in particular. So something like the rose clear treatment once a month will keep them healthy mm. and don't wait until the disease comes on the plant. You're better to prevent rather than trying to curing. So I would use the rose clear and this particular grower uses rose clear once a month and you can see how healthy the foliage are and there's no sign of any aphids no. anywhere. Um, and the other key tip is, is to feed them. Feed them on a regular basis. So feed them with something like Sudden Impact or Top Rose Fertiliser at least once a month. And weather like this is actually an ideal time to feed plants in the garden in general, be it roses, be it trees and shrubs. When you've got that high level of moisture, plants are actively growing. If you put fertiliser on, it will be of use to the plants very quickly. The other the trick with, with roses is to deadhead the flowers. So as the individual blooms are going over, just snip them back. And I would always take about six or eight inches of the stem away with the flower because it's a way of kind of semi-pruning them in the middle of the summer and that encourages when you prune a rose it encourages to reshoot and reflower again so when you're removing the old flowers take at least five to six inches of, of stem with that uh, old flower and that will kick the plant back into growth because you're feeding it and it will reflower again so you're 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 making the plant produce more flowers right through the growing season right and you're maximizing you're not giving it a rest yeah well <laughs> you know, yeah but you know, i mean that that's its that's, job too that's and that, that's the period that's it and as long as you're feeding and you're pruning uh, cutting back the old flowers then you'll, you'll get continuous color right through to the end of the summer Okay, great stuff. So, so if you, you have go. roses, they The other thing I featured on the TV was th- were the lupins, actually. Right, it's well, yeah, because I just mentioned I had seen some gorgeous lupins coming in this morning They're in lovely. a couple of gardens. And a lot of, because a lot of things have taken battering they because have. of the rain and things are a little bit droopy looking, yeah. uh, I just spotted a couple of gardens with some great lupins and, and they were beautiful. tall and erect and, and they're so easy. full of colour, yeah. really gorgeous. So easy to grow, mm. great colour at the moment. You can still plant them at this time of year. So if you go into the, the garden centres, the lupins are available and they're just coming into flower so you can actually select again the colour that you might like and remember the lupins will flower not only this year but every year for, for quite a number mm. of years. It's also a good time to sow lupins from seed. So if you're, if you're thinking of lupins for next summer 
um, then sow them from seed. A packet of seed will only cost you a couple of euros and you'll get bunches of flowers this time June of next year. And and again, a great time to sow seed in general in the garden, uh, be it wallflowers or sweet williams or winter pansies, but lupins, delphiniums, all the herbaceous perennial plants can be raised from seed at this time of year, but can also be purchased as plants as well if you want a bit of instant colour over the next couple right. of weeks. Okay, and I, actually somebody I noticed one of the questions that came in earlier talked about instant colour, so we might come back yeah. to that in just a moment. I also just want to mention uh, <coughs> something uh, that you're probably more familiar with than I am, and that's the Clue Bay Garden Trail. Yeah, a, a great initiative by, by um, a, a number of people that have got fantastic gardens in around the Westport and Tormacady area. The two very nice gardens in Tormacady and another 12 gardens around the, the Westport area. So it's called the, the Clue Bay Garden Trail. The owners are, have agreed to open their garden gardens during the months of June, July and some in August. Now there are specific dates for each of the gardens. When yeah and times as well. And times when they're mm. going to be open um, but well worth seeing. I mean if you want some inspirational ideas some uh, to see what plants will grow well in the west of Ireland and Westport can be a challenging area with, okay. the, with, with the wind and, and the, the salt air and so on. Uh, so some really nice gardens, 12 in, in Westport, 2 in Tormacady. I would advise people over the summer period if you give an opportunity to uh, certainly take in some of the gardens. They've produced a beautiful broch- brochure which describes each of the gardens, gives you all the contact details, the opening times as well and that brochure is available in Westport at the moment in, in the tourist office and a number of outlets around uh, Westport. They also have a Facebook uh, contact. They do, Facebook page, yeah, Clue Bay Garden Trail. So that'll give mm-hmm. you more information. So my advice again, if you want some ideas for maybe to use in your own garden, see some of the plants that will grow well in the west of Ireland. These are mature gardens now, so you get an idea of plants that have been in gardens over a number of years and have done very well uh, in, in, in the west of Ireland um, conditions. So my advice is just pick up a brochure. They're available around the Westport area. It's called the Clue Bay Garden Trail 2012 and or else check them out on Facebook and well worth a visit during. Yeah, there's, they've included some pictures of the, some of the gardens and I have yeah. to say they look they look stunning all together yeah. and I'd say even if people are looking for some ideas maybe exactly. you could go along and see obviously these people are keen gardeners, keen gardeners. and have been at it for many many years yeah, well, but to see what can be achieved absolutely you know and maybe just take a small little uh, tip or two away from them but they're lovely and also a lot of the gardens are open for charity and I think you can make a donation you can make so, a donation yeah. yeah which is a great great, mm. great thing as well so that's something to check out and a great way to get some ideas for your own garden yeah they, they, they do look stunning and it's a lovely brochure so congratulations to everybody that's in involved in that and we trust that you'll have lots of visitors over uh, the summer months. Okay, we're going to take a quick break before we come to questions, Porrick, okay. um, but there are loads of questions for people who do have a, a query for Porrick this morning. Text is 87 41 with thanks to CNC Cellular where switching your mobiles to Vodafone is easy. You can phone us as well 0818 Teresa is taking calls for us this morning as usual and you can email the programme garden at midwestradio.com Alright, let's uh, tackle, I think, one of the first ones that came in this morning. Somebody who's got a wedding in mid-July. <clears throat> what plants would you suggest that they plant now for some colour around their home? Well, July is probably one of the easiest times. July and August are, are the two easy months in the garden because there's so many plants that will come into flower. So if I was planting something now for colour, mid-July, August, I would be thinking of penstemons, which are beautiful. They'll flower this year and next year. Dwarf dahlias, or the double dahlias, the big blousy dahlias, they're available now as plants. The buds are just coming on them actually at the moment and they will produce flowers up to about a saucer or maybe a dinner plate in size and give a lot of colour so they'd be quite nice right through July. Um, I'd also think about uh, delphiniums which would be lovely right through July. Lilies, the garden lilies, 
both the arm lily, the white lily, which quite might, might, be, might be quite nice in a floral arrangements, mm. but also the the oriental lilies will all be flowering right through the July period. Day lily will be another very good variety. Um, hydrangeas with the nice big mop head flowers. Look for kind of more mature plants and the flowers will all, already be forming on mm. those and they'll be at their best through July. Um, maybe some fuchsias, some roses would yeah. be lovely. So, you know, roses for me, the penstemons, um, delphiniums, lilies in general, and all of those plants are available now for planting. Good time to plant and most will be coming into flower, um, certainly from the second week of July right through till August, September. Yeah. So it's quite choice, quite right. What's our, what's our pink rose called again? That's one called Rachel. 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 I have to say, for a wedding in a garden, I think it's That's gorgeous. That's what you'd like. Yeah, I think it's absolutely stunning. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Yeah, the colour is very It's lovely unusual. and feminine and pink and it would just yeah. be really be, nice. It's in flower at the moment, yeah. but it will be absolutely brilliant in, in the middle of July. So roses would be excellent as well. I mean, there's a wide choice of varieties to plant. I mean, go to your local garden centre, they'll advise you on plants that, that are, and look for plants that are just coming into bud. Yeah, so, so that, that they'll, yeah, yeah, they'll be at their best then in, in July. Okay, lovely stuff. Now, somebody tells us that they love sweet potatoes, which oh, I yeah. suppose are a fairly new phenomenon as far as Ireland is concerned, they but uh, they have captured the imagination. I have cooked, I suppose, no, I've never really cooked sweet yeah. potato. I have a friend, I have a friend who is American and at Thanksgiving yeah. she does them. Um, yeah, and do they call they them do, yams? They, yeah, they call, yeah, and yams. she does these candied yams yams yeah, and it's yeah, really yeah. delicious um, but no I beyond that I've never really cooked them myself right. yeah, yeah. Um, we stick to the traditional spot don't we <laughs> well yeah squash I have cooked alright which I always think is I know it's different but it's a kind of similar texture yeah um, but no I've never anyway, cooked sweet potatoes question? so sorry about <laughs> <laughs> Apart from me making up recipes for sweet potatoes, can you buy them in supermarkets, which yeah, we know, yes. Yeah. Can they be grown in Ireland and when would you set them? Well, if you, if they can? first of all, the sweet potato, it's not related to the to the our, our ordinary Irish spud. This, uh, they're all the Solanaceae right. family, so things like tomatoes and potatoes are all related. So the sweet potato is 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 related to uh, convolvulus, in the convolvulus, it's to morning glory, you know, the climbing plant. Oh, right. And to, uh, so it's a, it's a different type of plant. But it, it I suppose what you're eating with sweet potato is the root is the swollen mm, root tuber, yeah. Uh, a tuber yeah and I'm not surprised that it's a, 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 you know very popular in America because that's where it's grown it's grown in Israel so it's grown in countries where you have a very warm climate it needs certainly 20 degrees Celsius before it will actually start to grow and frost will affect it so you need a long growing period so firstly certainly the summer we're having this year you'd find it very difficult to grow it's the sort of plant you'd you'd grow it as a novelty more than a crop right. as such you'd need to grow it in a tunnel or a greenhouse in a, in, unless we get an exceptionally good summer and it's not uh, the traditional potatoes you know is sown from a tuber there's the sweet potatoes are grown from slips oh. off off the tuber so what you would do is buy a uh, sweet potato in, in your local grocer plant it up into a pot in moist compost mm-hmm. it'll produce little sprouts and once the sprouts are about maybe four or five inches high you take those off the tuber pot them up and you grow sweet potatoes from that slip if that right. makes sense yes yes so you take you'd, you'd so as a novelty uh, first of all for the listener i would say it's it's a tad too late this year to get anything worthwhile yeah. you'd really want to be doing this back in february march you'd buy your sweet potato pot it up at that time of year wait for it to sprout when the sprouts are on it in late march early april you you take them off put them into small pots put them into your greenhouse and start to grow them and then as they grow transplant them into larger tubs where they'll form the tuber 
So in a normal growing year, yes, in a greenhouse and a tunnel, that'd be well worthwhile as a novelty crop to grow. Um, but this year, it, I would just say it's a bit too late. Now, if you just wanted to experiment for mm. the crack of it, to, to buy a sweet potato and pot it up and see the sprouts that come on it and maybe take a few and pot them up, you won't get any tuber forming, but you'll have the plants certainly growing. And the actual stems and foliage are edible on the sweet potato, the actual, no, uh, you know, the flavour-wise. Right. You know, the, but they are edible. All portions of that particular plant are edible. Um, so as a novelty, yes, you can grow. I suppose to answer the question is, yes, they'll grow in Ireland. They need to be indoors or we need an exceptionally good summer out of doors to grow them out, outside. Mm. You need warm temperatures. And um, I would say, well, maybe pot one up now just to just to see what you're going to to get and kind of experience growing it. But for next year, get a sweet potato in March pot it up and then grow it for for next season. Okay, very good. And the tubers grow in the soil, presumably, oh, they do, like, yeah. as it's a, a root. A, like a potato, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah right. it's a root. Yeah. That's what you're eating. Okay. You'd harvest them possibly September, October, that time of year, just, just before the frost. Okay, I'm prompted to make sweet potatoes for dinner this yeah. evening. Uh, now, somebody says, can you please help? They'd like to plant a screen or a hedge around the edge of their garden. <clears throat> what plant would grow about five or six feet, please? Well, if you want a good evergreen hedge, I suppose that what comes to my mind are, and which are doing very well this year, are things like Portuguese laurel, which has got a nice, small, tidy leaf and makes a very f- solid hedge. Um, common laurel will grow five to six feet and can be trimmed to that as well. Foot red robin would be quite nice. It's got lovely red foliage, mm. makes a very good hedge if you trim it tightly and, and prune it well. Um, so those three for me, dear, would probably be the best. Five to six feet, the Portuguese laurel, the green common laurel or Fortinia red robin would, would give you evergreen foliage all year round. Um, nice leaf colour, very easy to trim and certainly will tolerate, you know, windy conditions and, and frost conditions. conditions. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. Okay, good stuff. Now, somebody's got a lot of green and black flies on plants and t- on their plants and tomatoes in the greenhouse. How okay. do they treat it? Well, again, we're coming into that time of year where aphids, black flies and aphids, white fly is going to be certainly a, a lot more visible and this is their time of year. In a greenhouse, you can either use a traditional insecticide, one suitable for vegetables like bug clear. There's a specific one that's used for veg and fruit. So you simply mix that up and, and uh, um, uh, spray it onto the foliage without damaging and it won't damage any of the, the uh, edible crops. But you could also use the little smoke fumers. Um, I think we, we featured them before, which are the little canisters that you simply light the top of the paper. It excretes uh, uh, an insecticide yeah. into the greenhouse and that kills them without having to spray. So you do it in the evening time, buy your little canister. It's called uh, Foggish Pea from memory. Small little canister, you simply light the top of it, close your greenhouse the smoke then will get into the cracks and crevices in around the plants. It'll eliminate any aphids and um, you just ventilate the greenhouse then a couple hours later and that's that's yes. your bugs gone okay. without the need of having to spray, spray. the actual plants. Right, yeah. and so either are. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're very effective. Very good. Now, parsnips drilled with holes last summer, autumn. Why did this happen? How do you prevent it on this year's parsnips? Well, parsnips, remember, are in the are in the same family as, as carrots and they'll suffer from carrot root fly just like uh, carrots will. Um, so, to, to protect them and, and I suppose with parsnips they have a long growing season so mm. you're leaving them in the soil uh, certainly till October, November and often right through the winter period parsnips are often left in the ground so the carriage root fly has quite a long period to feed on 
the roots of parsnips. So my advice really is to treat them with the Super Nemo's, the organic treatment for carrot root fly. Um, again, it's any time from now on, from the middle of June right through to the end of July, you can use the Super Nemo's um, and they can be applied to the carrots, parsnips, uh, cabbage plants for cabbage root fly and on potatoes for um, wireworm. It'll control all of those. So the one application will, will control uh, all of those pests on, on, on vegetables. So that's what it is. It's carrot root flying and it would be common enough on parsnips um, and, each year. Right. Any of those? And is there anything else that's kind of in that family that is, that is affected in similar fashion? Well, anything that's from carrot root fly, you've got yeah. things things that are in the cab, in the carrot root fly family are things like uh, coriander, uh, celery. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're they all anything anything that's in the. Uh, carrot root fly family is affected by White carrot country. root fly so it's not just carrots yeah. uh, anything within that family so parsnip, celery, uh, coriander parsley funny enough oh. is in, in the carrot carrots themselves of course obviously yeah um, and so you know the, the, the pest isn't host it's fussy <laughs> it'll, it'll actually attack it's not just looking for the orange ones no and in, in winter time the carrot root fly uh, migrates onto uh, ground elder the bishop weed which again is in the carrot root family. So it, it lives there for the winter. Right. And then as soon as you sow your parsnips and carrots, it, it migrates for the summer <laughs> onto those, there something tastier. <laughs> and, uh, but, but you'll find the Super Nemo is very effective and not only on, on, uh, for carrot root fly, but also for cabbage root fly, which I think we had last week, and for things like um, wireworm on potatoes in particular, which would be, a, again, a, a pest at this time That's of year. Good. So the one application will treat all of those. It's non-chemical. It has got the organic symbol, symbol, and the growers are, are in very much in favour of it. Is it works very effectively? Okay. And you know, temperatures above ten degrees Celsius, and I think you were telling us we're around the ten to twelve degrees. Twelve to fifteen, actually. There you go. Yeah. So it's perfect, a perfect yeah. time of year to use it. Okay, yeah. great. Now, somebody always wondering, can you suggest some trees to plant in their garden that will have good leaf colour? Okay. They have a large garden, uh, so something to grow fairly big. Right. Well, it's it's um, you know, and, and I suppose we're, we're often attracted to flowering plants in mm. particular. But remember that leaf colour gives you probably a better reward yeah. because you've got colour from March through to I November. I saw a stunning tree during the week. I was in a house and it was just now it was it had been there a while. You know, it right. has a fairly mature tree, but it was really. Fab. And you're going to ask me the name of it now, yeah. and I won't have a clue. But would it, would it, would it be, no, I think it would it be a copper beach tree. It could be, co- yeah, copper yeah. beach, yeah, copper beach. I mean, that, that would be a great it answer. Was, it was really gorgeous. Well, copper beach is at this time of year, it's yeah. absolutely beautiful, both as a hedge and as a tree. And, and it's the same plant, as it were, the okay. same type of plant tree that you use for, for board pupses. So for this garden, copper beach would be beautiful. Yeah. It'd give lovely, lovely colour, a very stately plant. I'd also look at some of the maples. So Acer Drummondii is a very nice plant. It, it has a leaf about the same size as your hand. Mm. So quite a very large leaf, but it's got a variegated leaf. So it's got a yellow and green foliage. Very easy plant to grow. Um, and it'll make a stately tree up to about 20 feet, 25 feet comfortably. So a nice big variety. There's another uh, similar maple called Crimson King which again has purple foliage like the Copper Beech and the two trees planted together give very nice contrast of colour um, and can often look very well because they've got a similar shape and habit and leaf texture and size. Mm. So Crimson King and Drummondii there's another nice variety called Leopoldii uh, which again has got a very uh, variegated leaf but a little bit more pink in the leaf as well. Um Sorbus lutescens has got silver foliage, okay. nice silver, it's called the white beam. I was going to say, has again, that got a more yeah, common Yeah, uh, white beam, which again is lovely silver foliage, uh, white flowers and red berries, so there's kind of a bit Ooh, of everything going on okay, there. Yeah. 
Um, and eucalyptus would be quite nice for foliage colour. Uh, again, eucalyptus would be evergreen, so it would retain the, the leaves all year round. It's got that nice silver foliage. So for me, for leaf texture and colour, um, Acer Drummondii, Acer Crimson King, Acer Leopoldii, all in the maple family, um, Mountain the, the white beam, which is in the mountain ash family, the Sorbus aria, lovely silver foliage, eucalyptus, copper beech, as you mentioned yourself, would be, would be very nice. Mm. They would be all really good uh, trees that I would plant at this time of year for certainly leaf colour and remember you'll have that colour right through to November yeah and they'd suit the kind of the larger garden or you they, know, they're, they're, they're all relatively big, big trees, trees yeah. yeah you know yeah. medium to large gardens they would be and they have a quite a nice stately structure mm. so as they're growing I would prune off, prune off some of the lower branches to give it that nice lollipop right you know, yes, trunk part yeah nice trunk and then a, a nice rounded head yeah. on them silver birch would be nice as well even though the leaves aren't coloured but the bark is yeah Betula Giacomontia yeah. is a lovely variety the bark is pure white and, and I always say to people that if you've got that tree in your garden, take the power hose or the, the, the power hose to it every couple of years and wash off the bark and get that nice marble colour mm. coming through. Um, so it's a good idea on, on silver birch if you have it in the garden. Okay. Someone is wondering, is there anything better than the regular pellets for snails on their hostas and bedding plants? Well, they're, they're you know, I suppose with the wet weather, they're, they're being very destructive at the moment. They are. They're out in force. Is the graveyard still in your garden? It is, yeah. And I saw a big one <laughs> climbing up the wall of the house this morning when I was leaving as well. well I said, oh, where are you off to? To be honest, what I, I find very effective, particularly on the bedding plants and kind of non-edible plants, is, is the liquid uh, particularly in dry weather. So if you get a dry day, like we're promised, say, on Sunday, uh, use the the, uh, the liquid because you can actually spray it onto the foliage of the bedding plants or the hostas in this instance or around the base of the plants and the liquid works overnight, literally as the mm. slug comes on it kills them off. Apart from that, the pellets really are the only other option or, you know, the beer traps or some of the more... Um, you know, organic treatments could be tried as well. But certainly I, I do find the, the slug clear liquid very effective. Okay, very good. Now I think my computer might have locked a little bit there for a second. No, we're back in action again. Uh, now, uh, somebody bought seed potatoes in March in Horkins. Good. They're all growing great is yeah, the good news. Good, it's a good and, season. Uh, they're about two feet out of the soil at the moment. Um, this is Johnny in Sligo and he'd like to know what should he spray them with against fungus and what and when would you do this? Well, it, it, we're right at the time of year, Johnny, for, for uh, control of potato blight in particular, which again with this kind of humid, damp weather is going to be certainly knocking a about. So the next dry day, I would get some of the um, Promoximil, which is the potato blight treatment that the growers use. It's a systemic treatment, so it gives a longer protection period than the traditional sprays. And I would apply that now. Uh, well, the next dry day that you get dry opportunity, you want about an hour's drying after treating, so it dries into the, the leaf properly. And that'll give you protection on the plants for at least 10 days to 14 days. So every maybe two weeks or three weeks, given an application of the Promoximil. Now, you can also, it's a good idea to alternate to a different spray. So if you're using Dithane, um, then use Promoximil maybe at the next spray and then go back to the Dithane again. Or if you're using the Bordeaux mixture, which is the organic uh, or, uh, blight treatment, maybe use a bit of Promoximil as well at a later stage. So it's also always a good advice to alternate the sprays. Not, you're not using the same thing all the time because if you're using something like Dithane in particular uh, every couple of, every 10 days, then it tends to accelerate the growth in the potato plants and they get very stalky right. and very stemmy. Um, because it, it, dithin in itself um, encourages, it, it accelerates growth. So it's like a stimulant to the plant 
it protects it certainly against diseases but it also stimulates the growth which makes them grow very leggy and in windy weather like we're getting you can get them falling over right so too much diethane is not a good thing it's often a good idea to alternate the sprays is what i'm saying so a little bit of Bordeaux mixture, maybe a bit of Promoxamil or a bit of Dithane. Just mix it up a little bit when you're treating it. But certainly for for the potatoes, just keep them blight-free blight, blight free is the key thing. And the second thing I would do at this time of year is give them a second feed. So put on a bit of Vitex Q4 um, or maybe a bit of um, chicken manure at this time of year because they're actively growing at the moment. They'll be forming their tubers now over the next couple of weeks and an additional feed at this time of year is, yes. is always a good idea. Okay. Always a great idea. Okay, well, it sounds, Johnny, like you're already well on yeah, the way no, it's there. Not, and, yeah, and, and just to, I suppose, it's just to keep them healthy and the blight treatment is going to be important, okay. particularly in the weather we're getting. Now, you're going to have to help me with this one, Porek. Somebody has an indoor plant called a Schefflaria. Yeah, Schefflaria, very good. Yeah, Schefflaria. And, and it's losing its leaves yeah. and they have it in the porch and they're wondering, should it lose its leaves? Yeah, well, Schefflaria is the, is the indoor umbrella plant. Very oh, easy plant to yeah, grow. Right. Very easy plant to grow. It comes in variegated forms and green forms. Um, and growing it in a porch is fine. I mean, if... Uh, uh, unless we get very, very warm weather and very bright weather, and we certainly haven't had that this year, what you'll find with Chefalaria is as it gets older, it tends to lose some of its lower branches or lower foliage. And that's a sign that it's in the pot possibly too long. So the first thing I would do is repot the Chefalaria get it into a larger pot, get a good quality compost, a John Ennis type compost, which has got some soil in the compost mix. Um, so I would do that straight away. The other thing you can do to stop it getting leggy is to prune it back. So after repotting, cut back maybe five or six inches of the top growth and that'll get it to re-sprout lower down on the main stem and help to, I suppose, hide that bareness um, where it's dropped its foliage. So you'll actually get it to re-sprout again lower down. So in this instance, I would leave it in the porch. It's perfectly okay there. Um, repot it with using a good quality John Ennis compost. Grow-wise, do a particularly good one. You'll notice it's in an orange bag. Yes. And um, liquid feed, of course, Chefflaria, because this is the time that they're actively growing and do take about four or five inches off the top and that'll encourage to re-sprout again lower down and it'll help up to fill up the plant and... Uh, I suppose, mitigate against that kind of the, the, the dropping the of the foliage. Right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. It's just coming up on 21 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Still lots more questions. Somebody has a 20-year-old quince growing on an east-facing wall. Okay. Its leaves have all withered and it appears to be dying. Can they do anything to revive it? Well, it's worrying if, if, if the foliage is going off the plant. Um, you know, that's very worrying on, on quince. Now, because they're in the rosacea family and in the kind of apple family, they, do, they can suffer from disease diseases, um, uh, foliar diseases. So what I would do really is just feed the plant, um, give it a good feed, uh, something like sudden impact should bring back some of the foliage into the plant. And if the, the dying of the foliage continues, bring a piece of it into the garden centre and we'll just have a look at it and see what, what specifically is wrong with it. It could also be a root disorder, uh, which quince can suffer from as well, um, a rotting of the roots. And, you know, the fact that it's 20 years old as well would certainly, um, you know, give an indication towards that. But to be honest, what I would do in this instant is, is feed it well um, and see when, when new foliage come back onto the plant. And if the if it's, it continues to deteriorate, bring a, a cutting out into the garden centre and we'll identify 
specify exactly what's on it. Okay, lovely. Now, somebody's wondering, is it too late to plant Swiss chard vegetable plants? No, you can still, well, you can certainly, if you can get the plants, yes, you can plant them at this time of year. Remember, Swiss chard is a, is really a winter vegetable. You're using the, the foliage and stems through the late summer, autumn, winter period. It can still be sown from seed. Um, so June is a good time, actually, to sow it from seed. I would generally advise with Swiss cheese, to, or with Swiss chard, to sow it twice in the year. So sow it in March and sow it again in June for okay. a winter crop. Uh, there's a good variety called Bright Lights, which has a lovely uh, orange, yellow, red stems, white stems. It's a very good variety. So Bright Lights, get yourself a packet of seed, sow it now, and you'll be using that Swiss chard then right through the winter period. It's actually a very attractive plant as well, even if you never used it for cooking. Okay. Um, it's got lovely red stems or orange stems or white stems, which can look really well through the winter period. So it's quite a nice um, ornamental plant right, in the garden as well. Yeah, as well. And very easy to sow from seed. If you sow the seed now out of doors, the plants will germinate within 10 days and you'll certainly have really good plants by August, September period. Okay, lovely. So not too late. Now, someone got a present <clears throat> of a wisteria Great. climber. Yeah. Oh, lovely. And there's, they're wondering, where is the right spot to plant it and what do they need to plant with it? Well, remember that wisteria is very vigorous. It'll put on anything up to 10 or 15 feet of growth per year. So you want quite a big area. It, it tends to suit arches, trellises, large walls, um, somewhere where it can scramble and really look its best. You will often see it on large double-storey or treble-storey houses mm. growing up the face of, of the... the um, of the, of the wall, of the front of the house. So a large area, it's not a self-clinging climber, so it does need support. So you need to put some wires or some trellis work or something that the plant can scramble up on. And it tends to twist itself around the support that's offered. So arch, trellis work, a wall on the house, if you wish. Um, but remember that it needs lots of space. It's a long-lived plant. When it comes into flower, it's absolutely stunning. It produces those long, foot-long or foot and a half long yeah, lilac it really flowers is, yeah, I mean, in early summer. Sometimes it takes a while for it to come <clears throat> to that point. I yes. mean, you can take a couple of years, can't yeah, it? Yeah, it's propagated by two methods. It can be propagated by seed and if you buy a seed-grown plant, it can take anything up to 10 years to flower. So my advice is always to look for a grafted right. wisteria plant. They'll come into flower after three or four years um, from planting. So grafted varieties is generally better, but the seed-sown varieties will come in into flower, but it does take longer. So really, to answer the question, give it plenty of space, really, it's not fussy about soil. Do prepare the soil well, though, because it, it, it's going to put on 10 to 15 feet of growth per year. And once you do that, um, really anywhere, there's got plenty of space, reasonably yeah. sheltered, reasonably sunny spot. Uh, after that, it's, it's a tough, yeah. hardy plant. Yeah, yeah they are. They are yeah. beautiful when they come into full bloom. Yeah, very stunning. Now, someone has a grapevine mm. growing right. well in their greenhouse. Lots of growth. What do they need to do with it at this time of the year? Well, really, the, just the key thing is, and again, the grapevine, again, is, is very, very vigorous. So really, it's a matter of training it out along the, on wires or some level of support in the greenhouse and also thin out any excessive shoots. So if it's putting on a lot of vegetative growth, leafy growth, t thin some of that out. Um, so ideally, the grapevine should be trained nice central stem up the middle of the greenhouse with the with branches trailed out on the um on the glass or on the bars of the mm -hmm. of the uh, the tunnel or the greenhouse so it's it's growing nearly in the roof 
of the greenhouse is, right. is, is the way to grow it. So take off some of the foliage if it's got ex- excessive growth. Feed with a tomato feed. So you want a high potash feed now as it starts to form its fruit. And then later on in the summer, you can thin. It generally produces too many grape bunches. Uh, to produce, you know, a viable uh, crop or for all the fruit to form to good-sized grapes. So it's always a good time in August to thin out some of the bunches. So if you've got 50 bunches, trim it down to maybe 20 and allow those to develop. So take off some of the foliage, train it well now so that it's it's going out nice and neatly out along the roof of the greenhouse. Feed it with a tomato feed and then in, in late July, August, uh, take off some of the, the uh, forming bunches of grapes so that you, you thin it down to about 20 bunches is, en- is enough for any grapevine to produce. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise they'll be very small right, and tart. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you want nice, good, big, yeah, if you plump, want good, juicy exactly. sweet so grapes. Smaller is better. Smaller okay. bunches. <clears throat> now, what type of pea and bean seed can be sown now for use this summer? And they're wondering, mm. could you suggest a couple of types to sow now outdoors? Well, well you can sow all of the um, runner beans, French beans and... Um, garden peas can be still sown at this time of year. Now, because it's June, I would go for the dwarf varieties that, you know, maybe don't grow too tall. So you're, you're going to have the crop quicker. In peas is a very good one called Ambassador, which is um, grows only about two feet in height, mm-hmm. but forms very, very large uh, pea pods. Quite a nice variety, a good sweet variety. There's another one called Hearst Green Shaft, which again is about two feet in height. So garden peas, Ambassador, or that Hearst variety is very good. And I would I'd grow both of those. Um, French beans, I would go for a variety called Boston, which again is a short variety. And there's an unusual variety called Purple Teepee, which produces purple pods. They're about six or eight inches long. And they're purple, real dark chocolate purple in colour. So they're very unusual colour. But when you cut them, they revert to green. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they say, this is what they tell me anyway, that the purple French beans tend to have a better flavour, a more tart, a more zingy, I think it's the way it's described, flavour than the green varieties. But So that's purple teepee. Again, it's a dwarf variety. Sow it from seed now. You'll be picking it in September. And the trick with French beans is to pick them on a regular basis. And again, with runner beans, again, a good variety called Moonlight, which again, doesn't grow too tall. Um, It'll grow runner bean about six to eight feet in height. um, But again, produces very long uh, pods of runner beans. So all of those can still be peas, French beans, runner beans can still be sown from seed. And indeed, a lot of vegetable plants to, you know, April or yeah. June is a very good time to sow seed for autumn, winter use. Um, so there's lots of seeds, like I mentioned, the Swiss chard, uh, cabbage varieties, carrots can still be sown, parsnips, turnips, all of those can still be sown from seed at this time of year. Excellent. Right. Uh, now, somebody's wondering about a flowering clematis, summer yes. flowering clematis to grow <clears throat> up a tree. They're wondering, would it, and would they be able to plant it in a pot as the ground is very hard? to dig? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, it depends on the size of the tree, to be quite, quite honest. I mean, if you're looking for a, a, a fast-growing clematis, then ideally it's better in the ground. Now, clematis will grow very happily in a pot, in a large tub or pot, with a good quality compost. Um, but generally, for when, when you're growing clematis in pots, I would normally recommend shorter varieties. Um, there's a very nice one called Rachel, which, like the rose, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice red variety. Um, uh, so there's so the, to answer the question, yes, you can grow them in pots, but you you tend to restrict the plant, and you won't get that very, you know, very strong growth. Mm. Um, it's they're better in the garden soil if possible. Now, if you have to grow them in the pot, then yes, that's fine. But get yourself a very large tub, put in a good quality compost, put in slow release fertilizer, and then plant your clematis into that. If you want a tall variety, Jack Jackman Eye is quite a nice one. It's a blue variety, um, and that will flower from. 
late July, August, September sort of period and would again scramble up the, up the tree. So yes, it's a good time to plant clematis that will grow in pots, but where you want them vigorous and to cover a big area, then they're plant, better planted in the soil. Okay. Now, can, can you tell somebody if they can get a quick growing shrub? Yes, they can. <laughs> Quick growing shrub. Suggestions, please. Well, sorry. What you could put in there that. is uh, something that would be fast and that would fill a, a, a gap, I suppose. Yeah. Things like buddleias would be very good. Uh, Lavateria, the mallow, it'll grow three, four feet in, in the one year. Um, what else would be fast? Philadelphus would be a, quite a vigorous plant. Weegelia. But uh, berberus, some of the purple leaf berberuses within a couple of years would fill, you know, they'll grow five, six feet in height. So there's plenty of fast growing shrubs, certainly. Um, Lavateria for me would be pr- probably quite a nice one. It would flower if you plant it now, it will flower uh, in a couple of weeks time and flower right through to the end of the summer. And that'll make a good five, six foot uh, plant. There's a nice variety called Barnsley, which is a white, or another variety called Brendan Springs, which is a kind of a two-tone colour, um, or Rosia, which is a red, which is a good vigorous variety. So plenty of fast-growing shrubs, a good time to plant shrubs actually in the garden, and particularly uh, the likes of Lavateria would, you know, you'll buy it as a two-foot plant and within a couple of weeks it'll be three or four feet in height. Okay, you know, well, it's quite vigorous. All right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. That and a good filler. Good, good, you if you're know, looking to fill, to fill up, up gaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Lovely. Somebody uh, is wondering, when can they prune a red robin shrub? Well, you, you can prune it, you can, to be honest, you can prune it at any time of year. And I would always recommend, first of all, pruning them back probably in March uh, to start in the season and give them a good feed. But also they can be trimmed at this time of year and you'll get the colour back within a couple of weeks. So red robin is that lovely plant with the, the reds. red foliage. Yeah. Um, so And as it grows, as it produces new growth, you get the lovely red colour coming into it. So by pruning it back in the middle of the summer, you're actually stimulating the plant to regrow again and you get that second flush of colour. So if it needs pruning, prune it now, feed it and within three, four weeks you'll have lovely fresh uh, foliage again on the plant. Lovely. Somebody's wondering, can you recommend a good climbing rose? Well, two varieties that I would go for. Uh, Dublin Bay is is probably a really nice one and probably one of the best roses. It's got a lovely red flower. Uh, it'll grow six to eight feet in height. Very easy to grow in a very long flowering period and is quite good disease resistance as well. Another variety is called Galway Bay. Oh, which, right. is, which is a pink. The other side of Easy the country. To remember, right. yeah. Which is a nice pink um, and again, a good time to plant climbing rose the garden. They'll actually flower this year. Right. Now when you buy them, they'll probably be 18 inches to 2 feet in height and by the end of the summer, they'll probably have grown to about 4 feet but it'll be really this time next year where they'll be at their, their, their peak. peak. Yeah. yeah. So, Great time to plant them. They will flower for you this year. I'd often recommend putting in a clematis with them just to add a bit of colour just to get a bit of variety. So again, you could use the Rachel uh, in with maybe Dublin Bay or with, with, with um, Galway Bay just as a, a bit of variety um, in the same pot or in the same piece of soil. Lovely. And they'll support one another. The clematis will use the rose Close to that. support it as okay. it's growing up and it um, looks quite nice mixed through them. Well, that sounds lovely. Um, Somebody is mm. wondering, uh, they have a Lailandia hedge mm. that was cut back in April. Now parts are really brown. Would you have any advice? Well, it depends how hard it was pruned back. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. Sorry. <laughs> the browning part. Well, browning, the sigh. Well, uh, browning is, a, is it certainly is a cause for concern because browning in Landi is a sign that, you know, once they go brown, they don't, you know, they don't, they're not going to right. come back or that brown portion certainly isn't going to come back. Okay. And it depends how hard they were pruned back in April. Um, you know, I always say with Landi, I don't, 
don't savage them, don't prune them back to old wood because they haven't the ability to reshoot again. Not like, you know, with a laurel hedge or a fotinia hedge, you can certainly butcher them back and they they reshoot at, at ground level again or, or right mm. up along the stems. But Lelandiae, unfortunately, don't have that ability. So when you're pruning them back, you always cut into fairly fresh wood so that they reshoot again. So browning is certainly an indication those particular brown stems aren't going to reshoot again. But there may be green enough green foliage or golden foliage around the plant to fill in those gaps. So I think it's just a matter of, it really depends on the hedge, how, how severe it was pruned back. Um, if it was butchered back, then it's not going to regrow again. If there's just parts of brown in it, well, I would prune those brown pieces out, feed the hedge and encourage the surrounding foliage to fill in that area. So it really depends, dear, to how, how badly. How but with Lelandii, you, you know, you prune regularly, we're actually coming up to the right time to be pruning them midsummer, July. Mid-July is a great time to trim back uh, laylands just to tidy them up before the winter period. Um, you know, so kind of midsummer is a really good time to do it. Now, having pruned them in April, that's they didn't do anything incorrect. Yeah. It wasn't the wrong time of year as such. They just might have taken too much off. They may have just gone too severe on them okay. and you cannot do that with a land yet because they don't have the ability to reshoot. Okay. So you'll often see where they're butchered back. They're just, they're sticks really after that and Okay. So that's why I was sighing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hopefully, it's not, hopefully it's not that yeah, bad and things no, are rectifiable. No. Okay. Somebody's wondering what would be eating potato stalks in Tupper Curry? Well, what would we'll eat? Um, there's a couple of things that would we'll eat potato stalk slugs, first of all. Yeah. Enjoy both the, the, the stems and leaves of, of potatoes. You've also got a, a pest called flea beetle, which will damage uh, both, again, the stems and foliage of of um, potatoes and they tend to be more pinhole marks on the foliage uh, flea beetle is very distinct in its damage um, so slugs is straightforward enough it's just using a, a slug treatment and you could use um, bug clear for ve- fruit and vegetables on the potatoes if if you're seeing those kind of pinhole uh, distinctive uh, eating or marks on the foliage and stems of the plant uh, I would use the, the bug clear in that instance okay. that'll get rid of it now if it's only a small bit of damage don't worry too much because Potatoes are so vigorous; they tend to grow out any damage that sh- that um, can be caused. Right. Uh, so, and they tend not to suffer too badly from pests or diseases, uh, or pests, I should say, in particular. Mm. Um, but if it's if it's certainly if it's significant, either so, some slug treatment or use the bug clear fruit and veg, and that will. Solve that the problem. Solve problem. Yeah. Okay, and on that problem, we'll have to leave it there for this morning because time okay. has caught up oh, with us already. Well, if people are looking for hints and tips, go on to the website gardencentre.ie, click on my blog. I've updated this week's gardening tasks and a lot of things we talked about today are covered on that. Um, and uh, TV, I'm off this week on TV3, so it'll be Thursday, Thursday week. week. We're back again. But you'll be here on Saturday. I will indeed. Yeah. I so, will indeed. <laughs> so we'll talk to you then, Borek. <laughs> All right, dear. Thanks, Thanks very much indeed. Okay, good morning to you. And indeed to... Uh, all of our listeners and uh, thank you for all of your questions hopefully we got to as many of them as possible over the course of the last hour we're back again next Saturday for me just after 7 but gardening again after 9 until then good morning